It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest podcast here at VolQuest.com on the family of On3. If you haven't already, incredible deal. It won't last forever. It is $1 for one year. Go ahead and take advantage there. And of course, follow all of our work on YouTube as well by searching VolQuest. I'm Eric Kane with Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs. 63-6, to the final four, Tennessee over Akron. First 3-0 start since 2016 when Tennessee started 5-0. Also in that season, Tennessee beat Florida. Could history repeat itself here in 2022? The Florida Gators are coming to town. A big week here on Rocky Top, Brent Hubbs, as Tennessee looks to keep the momentum going to begin SEC play. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I think everybody's attention was to Florida very quickly as soon as the Akron game was over. And for a lot of people, it was before the Akron game was over. Tennessee uh, knew that um, they were the heavy favorite. They were in, you know, that it was going to be a monumental upset if Tennessee didn't take care of business against Akron. They were clearly not competitive. Um, And Tennessee did a lot of things right. The only thing that didn't go Tennessee's way was the injury front. And um, that, that will be a storyline for the rest of this week. It's a storyline today, and it'll continue to be a storyline the rest of the week, Austin. Yeah, 100%, Hover. Um, and they're they're going to try to rehab those guys best they can. We'll see who's available on Saturday. Um, you know, uh, you said it best in the two-minute drill. If the game was today, uh, as far as Cedric Tillman's concerned, probably not playing. Um, but, you know, the game's not today. So we'll see if, if they can rehab and and getting me closer to playing by a Saturday. Sometimes it's happens, sometimes not. I think it's big, too, that, you know, if, uh, again, Cedric Tillman, Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson, all those guys kind of dinged up in that football game. Rob, did you see anything else from the wide receivers that would give you confidence to help trying to – you're not going to replace Cedric Tillman if worst-case scenario, but Mel Keaton, a long touchdown reception. Walker Merrill has looked good through three games in, in, in mop-up duty. Squirrel White got in the football game. Anything from the wide receivers that you like? Well, I mean, I think you had to like Jalen Hyatt a, a lot. I mean, he's been, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying he's taking Tillman's place when they play different positions, but I can promise you that he, he probably put some stuff on tape that Florida's safeties and, and, and nickel backs are going to be aware, aware of this week. And and the squirrel, I mean, I again, small sample size, but, you know, I, I, I think just – off what he's shown you off the one play the other night, if he's in the game, then you've got to respect that speed on the perimeter. But, you know, with what Tillman has done over the past, what, 16 games, I mean, you're not going to, re- you're not going to replace that. I mean, even, even if he's not full speed, I think if he can get out there and, and play, then he, he impacts what Florida is going to do defensively. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, you, you know, you have to have a game plan for him and, and, you know, Hidden Hooker said on Monday that he's got full trust in all of his wide receivers, but he's got trust in one guy more than he has in everybody else. And that's Cedric Tillman. It's the reason why he was targeted 18 times in the Pittsburgh game. That's the security blanket. And so while those other guys have done some things, they haven't performed consistently and done what Cedric Tillman has done. And so uh, what's Josh Heupel's counter to that? If Cedric Tillman can't go, We'll see. Is it move Brew McCoy to that side of the field where he and Hyatt would be lined up on the same side of the field, which we haven't seen this year, um, and Flipper Mel Keaton over to the other outside spot? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I think that's you got all week to prepare for that because Cedric Tillman's not going to practice football this week. Uh, we'll just see where he's at at the end of the week. Think of the run game as well. You know, Jabari Small lost, and he had that shoulder issue all 
season last season and when he went down on the second carry of the game and kind of immediately went up there and looked at that shoulder might be a stinger situation but he was on he was seen on the sideline when I went back and watched the uh the telecast uh, the day after you know kind of rotating that that shoulder on the bike and, and kind of getting that in he looked more like you know with his pad still on that he could have probably come back and play in that football game but there was no point obviously but running back depth's an issue because small went down samson went down that football game you had jalen Wright who had 23 carries and was running the football in the third quarter, which was not a good idea, in, in my opinion. Um, it looks like Small potentially is in a little bit better of, uh, of a spot than Tillman, but still, you know, as the week goes on, we'll have to see. Yeah, and, and Tennessee's got to run the ball, Austin. I mean, that's the bottom line. When you look at Florida defensively, the biggest struggle for them to this point has been their inability to stop the run. Utah's got had over 200 yards. South Florida had nearly 300 yards rushing. Kentucky didn't run it well, but they haven't run it well against anybody to this point. The, the, Florida's biggest struggle on defense is stopping the run. I still think the Tennessee run game is unknown. Maybe I'm crazy, but I, I don't. I don't think any Tennessee's really proven anything in the run game. I don't. I don't take what Ball State, who was dropping eight into coverage, does, and and I don't think Akron was very good against the run. And Tennessee really didn't even try to run it against Pittsburgh, other than some quarterback runs. Yeah, I, I think what you're going to see Saturday is all hands on deck when, in, in, in terms of, you know, Hendon Hooker is going to have to be a factor in the run game. And so, you know, even if they got a full complement Saturday, I think you're going to see that. If, if they're a little bit, you know, shy of that, then, you know, it will be interesting to see how they kind of disperse the carries. I mean, yeah, if, if, let's play devil's advocate. Let's say Jabari Small and, and Dylan Sampson can't go. I mean, then you're with Justin Williams Thomas, who, you know, and, and Jalen Wright, two guys that have put the ball on the ground at, at various points of this football season as your top two backs. So, um, yeah, if I'm Jerry Mack, I'm, I'm over there, I'm over there with, with all kinds of different things, trying to, you know, nurse his group back to, to hell. So, um, this, this running back group, as Hub said, you don't know a whole lot about them. It certainly feels like this offensive line is a better pass-blocking offensive line than a run-blocking offensive line. Um, but uh, to that point, you know, I don't think we'll know till we until we see Tennessee really make a, a strong, you know, conscious effort to uh, try to run the football consistently. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what that run game looks like. And again, a lot of it has to do on health, and, and we should know and hopefully find out more as the week goes on. Um, I, and I couldn't agree more. Hendon Hooker in the run game. I think it's going to have to be a big factor as you go on an SEC play. And Jerome Carvin spoke on it earlier this week a little bit that, you know, even when they have designed runs for Hendon, got to do a good job of trying to keep him upright, trying to lessen the hits because he said that Hendon is the key to our offense right now. Um, understand that, but still you want to be able to move the football and find some seams and go score. And I think you can find that in the quarterback run game. Look, at Pittsburgh, that's what they tried to go and win the football game doing in that overtime period. Flip the script defensively. You know, Anthony Richardson for Florida kind of looking ahead has not had, obviously, a good start to the season, without a doubt. I think Tennessee's pass rush has been pretty solid through three games, um, something that Josh Heupel spoke on earlier in the week as well, keeping the pass rushing lanes, the integrity there. Uh, Rob, that's something that Tennessee's going to have to do this week. I don't care if Anthony Richardson's dinged up or not. going to have to stay true to the pass rush lanes because he can gash you if not. Yeah, and I thought, you know, talked about it last week. I think Kentucky gave you the blueprint because – the, the guy's completing 53% of his passes. He's thrown zero touchdowns. He's thrown four interceptions. You want this guy in the pocket. I mean, that's, that, that is to your advantage. I mean, 
where, where he has the advantage if he, if he busts loose in a broken field situation, just like you're talking about, Eric, where somebody loses contain, um, you know, gets out of position when in, in their upfield lane. But he has been shaky, shaky, shaky when when it's just been on him to throw the football, to make good decisions, and to put it into tight windows. And if I'm Tennessee, I'm, you know, Tim Banks has has been really aggressive. I almost don't know, Hubbard, if you if you don't dial that back a little bit and 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 show him show Anthony Richardson a lot of zone, you know, a lot of guys, you know, drop it back in coverage and and really put the burden on him to show you that he can dissect things and keep the ball out of harm's way. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to mix it up more in this game than you had the last two games. I mean, it was pretty clear that their mission, uh, particularly in the pit game, was to totally come after the quarterback uh, in a variety of different ways. I think you've got to mix it and try to bait Anthony Richardson into some stuff. And I think you got to contain him on the corner. Um, it, you know, I, I know he's been banged up. I mean, you look at it, he, he rushed for 106 yards against Utah, three rushing touchdowns. Since that game, uh, he's only got 28 yards on three on 13 carries. So, and some of those are sacks. I mean, they weren't designed runs. So, he, he's been very cautious and very hesitant about running. I just don't think you want to let him get going and get a good run early and get comfortable and get settled in to to to, to kind of get his game going. So, I, I think if you're Tennessee, you really got to protect the outside lane, uh, the containment there, player rush lanes. Still, come get him some. But I'm with you, Rob. I think you mix this one up a little bit more as opposed to dial it up with aggressiveness every every snap it, the way it felt like it did. they did at Pittsburgh. Thoughts on Tennessee's defense three games in, and I understand two MAC opponents. You know, what what are you really going to learn from that? But, you know, Tennessee was also obviously very impressive as we spoke on in the Pittsburgh game, getting after the quarterback. Um, did, I mean, kept Tennessee in the game, won Tennessee the game essentially in Pittsburgh. Uh, you look at the secondary, I think there's still some some issues and some struggles we've talked about in you know last year dating back to then. But I think the front seven overall has done a good, good job of getting after the quarterback. Linebacker plays look pretty decent so far. I thought it was good also to see Jeremy Banks flash a little bit because we hadn't seen that uh, you know over the course of the first two games. Good to see Elijah Herring, obviously. How much do they trust him to play some? But getting Juwan Mitchell back in the fold, getting him a lot of snaps with both Banks and Beasley, I thought that was a good sign, maybe a takeaway from the Akron game moving on into Florida. Yeah, 100%. I, I think the more you can get this defense um, more depth, the better they're going to be. I mean, I, I tongue-in-cheek joked with, you know, you know Jalen McCullough after the game, like <laughs> you're playing 75 and 80 snaps um, a year ago in blowouts. You didn't play near that much, you know, Saturday night because Tennessee was rotating so many guys in the secondary I think that goes across the board. Tennessee's deeper at linebacker than they were a year ago. Um, I still think they're filling things out on the defensive line. Um, but, you know, it's hard not to like where the defense is at through three games just from a depth standpoint. They still have some holes to figure out. They got to figure out what they want to be at corner. Um, I think they got to figure out how many snaps they want to play some of those defensive linemen. But uh, on the whole, this just feels like a more complete unit than it was a year ago. And feels like, you know, if they need to get a stop, they could potentially get one. Last year, at the end of the year, it didn't feel like they could get a stop, even if they really wanted to. And also something you spoke on in the in the uh, the, the postgame mini-pod, getting those snap counts for Amari Thomas down a little bit. You know, he's out there. He played 65 snap against Pittsburgh. Not as many, obviously, against Akron. But even in pass rushing situations, getting after the quarterback, maybe replacing him with somebody else to get more speed on the film will help him and help Tennessee in the same sense. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think the more you can get, you know, players like Bryson Eason, Tyree West, DJ Terry on the field, uh, the the better. Um, you know, just to kind of, you know, spell, you know, you know, the guys that you're leaning so heavily on. I mean, you can't tell me, Hubbard, that, that Big O is not going to be more fresh in the fourth quarter if you can steal a few snaps here and there in the second and third quarter. And, you know, and, and then I hope bring along the depth for a guy like Eason, who's still trying to find his way after being a linebacker in high school, then going defensive end, now defensive tackle. I mean, it, it's hard not to think that he's still not trying to figure things out. Same thing with Tyree West. I mean, a year ago, he's playing high school ball in South Georgia. That's not the same as playing in the SEC. No, there's no doubt. I mean, West had a, had a difficult time lining up a couple of times. He looked a little sporadic out there for a couple of plays, but then he made a couple of plays in space and did a couple of things that they don't have a lot of guys who, who can do that. Uh, the one thing I'll give Rodney Garner credit for, Rob, when you look at the staff numbers, maybe it was out of necessity at Pittsburgh because he had to. They played Omari Thomas more snaps than they wanted, but he did play Bryson Eason, and he did play some of those other guys. He played more depth than anybody else did on defense, which you have to up front. Where's that commitment level with Joshua Joseph? Where's that commitment level with Tyree West this week in SEC play against the Florida Gators? Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see because those two kids both flashed, but they also, you know, they flashed against Akron. And, you know, how much trust did they gain um, from, from that one, you know, that one outing? I I can see them playing in some situational spots over, but I, if, if either one of those kids is a double-digit, snaps on Saturday I'll, I'll be a little surprised but I couldn't agree more I mean you gotta I don't think you can play Big O consistently what was it 62 snaps at Pitt 64 yeah it's like 65 yeah I mean that's that's a heavy burden for a guy playing that position at his size and you know I I think Roddy you know wants to play a lot of guys but I, I think once the bullets start flying it may be hard to you know grab that one guy you're not so sure about by the shoulder pads and and sling it onto the, onto the field. You know, Brent, something you and I were speaking on Sunday afternoon during our rewatches, um, you know, four freshmen on defense that really, really stood out, jumped off of the tape. But how much trust will you have in those guys in a game like this? You know, Tyree West was one, Joshua Joseph, James Pierce, and, and Elijah Herring. Those guys did a lot of things against Akron. Um, I think it's safe to say Elijah Herring's going to be used in certain situations because we've already seen it at points and times this year, even early on in the game against Pittsburgh. Um, James Pierce, I, I wouldn't go on a ledge and say that you're going to see him in critical downs right now, but he looked good against Akron. And then Joshua Josephs, a lot of snaps against Ball State, not a whole lot of snaps against Pittsburgh with Roman Harrison starting to get back in there. But those four freshmen on Saturday, I thought, did a really nice job. Yeah, clearly Josephs is a guy that that they have the most trust in right now when you look at the snaps that that he got. I think you're going to see Joshua Josephs on Saturday. I think you'll see him pretty early on Saturday in a rotation. Does that mean he's going to play 20, 25 snaps or 30 snaps in a game? I don't know that. But I think they'll get his feet wet early in that game, particularly in, in some of their pass rushing stuff that they do. They're not going to line him up and ask him to play the run all the time. But here's the thing. You see the play that Joshua Josephs made on the speed option or on the, the jet sweep. You're talking about playing contain. That, that's that's what you want an end to do, right? He can affect the tackle, but he's got enough length and speed and change of direction where he can also play contain out there. They don't have many guys who can do that. And so I think you're going to see Joshua Josephs early. I don't think you're going to see James Pierce, you know, early in this game. I don't know that he's going to be a factor unless the game's 
under control or out of hand, whatever you want to look at it there. But I think when you talk about those defensive guys, Joseph, sneak a snap or two along the way with Tyree West, as Austin has mentioned, just to spell. Maybe it's maybe it's a half dozen over four quarters, but just a little bit to help. And we'll see if they come back with Elijah Herring in some pass rush situations and some specialty packages. They certainly worked a lot of Jawan Mitchell to get him on the field and try to get him as much experience with him back with Beasley and with banks. It looks like Herring's battling to be the fourth linebacker right now. So I don't know that you'll see a ton of Elijah Herring other than special teams. Well, I agree with hubs wholeheartedly Now, Do they maybe still a snap or two with Elijah Herring at some point? Maybe uh, I could see that they did that at Pittsburgh, even though Juju wasn't available. I mean, they had he and Solon page down there along the goal line at one point. Um, you know, somewhat early in that football game, as Eric pointed out. The one thing that's apparent to me is Elijah Herring will be a starting linebacker on this team a year from now. Jeremy Banks ain't going to be here. He'll be off to play professionally. Juju is is, is ending his eligibility. And, 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 and to me, Elijah Herring is going to be moving into one of those two spots sooner rather than later. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, they love this guy. And, and you know, hey – that, that's one that's when they took him, some people are like, well, you know, he's not this, or maybe he's not that. I mean, guy's a football player, plays with the right level of intensity. He's gotten better since he's been here. He will be a guy who's going to be a fixture on this defense a year from now. How much he plays in conference schedule in the conference schedule the next few weeks, we'll see. But you're going to continue to see him develop and get better through special teams. They'll play him some here and there. Uh, as the season goes along, but he's going to be a fixture in Tim Banks's defense for sure. You know, it's kind of funny again, like at the time of his commit, you know, the outside noise was, oh, they're just taking him to get to his brother in the next class. And, you know, hey, they, he's turned into a really, really good player that they that they like, like you, like you pointed out. Moving forward and, and looking at this Florida game, Rob, I mean, any way you spin it, I mean, Tennessee's lost 16 the last 17. We all know that Tennessee's not won since 2016. Josh Heupel was asked about the mental hurdle that needs to be passed or uh, the, the psychological factor in this. If, is there one there? You know, Josh Heupel kind of downplayed it and everything, and, and I, I understand it saying that you know, no, nothing in the past dictates the future, dictates now and all that. But it, what's your opinion on that? I mean, this this group of guys in this locker room's never never beaten Florida. Um, is there something there to that? I don't think there is. I think there is amongst Tennessee's fan base, but I don't think that matters on Saturday. I mean, I just think Heupel's you know, change things around so much. It just doesn't even feel like you're walking into the same place when you go when we go into the building over there. I mean, I, it does it for me. I mean, every everything about the program feels different from the top down. I don't, I don't think there's a Florida, you know, what you know, some kind of big mental hurdle that these guys have to get back past. I just, you know, it's a new, completely new Florida coaching staff. It's not Florida has not been a juggernaut. For, for several years. I mean, yeah, they've had Tennessee's number, but I just – I don't see it. Rob, do you think – how much of an advantage or how much of a help – we talked about this a little bit on the two-minute drill. I think it's a big deal, but I may be overblowing it. How much do you think it's a significant deal that Josh Heupel's a former Power 5 quarterback who's played in rivalry games, who's been a part of rivalry games under the scrutiny that rivalry games are now? That's no offense to Philip Fulmer, who was an offensive lineman who played Alabama – you know, how much do you think it helps Josh Heupel from a don't get too keyed up, just go about your business every day and get yourself ready to play and go really kind of soak in the moment a little bit? Because I kind of felt like that was the quarterback he was 
at Oklahoma in their rivalry games. How much do you think that helps with him getting his team ready to play? I, I think that informs everything he does as a head coach. I mean, I think that's why you don't see him get so bent out of shape and, you know, you know, he's not, you know, don't talk about game day. Don't talk about what, you know, what a big game it is. He's like, you know, of course it's a big game. Our, you know, our, our kids should enjoy that. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think having played on the stage that he played for, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, back, you know, Oklahoma, Nebraska was still a, a thing. Playing, in, you know, in, in huge bowl games. Um, I, I think all that stuff is, you know, is part of his mental makeup as a head coach. I, mean, I think he brings a player's mentality to it. I mean, no, he's not played in, you know, 20 years, but I still think that's, you know, he, he comes at being a head coach from the perspective of being a, a really good college football player. And, you know, I think he probably, you know, a, a, as he's putting together his philosophy, I mean, had things that he felt like worked, had things that he felt like didn't work. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a big deal. I really do. You know, at the time of this recording, really have, I haven't had a chance to dig down deep into the stats like I will obviously later in the day, but just looking at Florida, Austin, they, they there's still a ton of talent on that roster. I mean, we've been saying that the entire offseason. Look at the defense in particular. A lot of talent there. Depth might be an issue, but you got Trey Dean returning. You got Torrance. You got Brennan Cox. Um, but one guy that might not be there for Florida, wasn't there against South Florida, is their six-year linebacker, Ventrell Miller. Um, you know, Got a little banged up lower body injury against Kentucky. The talk is right now that he probably won't be going for Florida in this one against Tennessee. Tennessee will obviously need to take advantage, but a Florida defense that's not looked great, but still a lot of veteran players that have played a whole lot of football know how to play football. Yeah, you know, they have talent um, to say they don't want to be silly, but this is a different-looking Florida roster than we've seen in my lifetime. Um, It's a different-looking front seven on defense uh, from a Florida roster standpoint than I've seen in my lifetime. Um, Still good. But, like, you know, even when Florida had some suspect offenses the last decade, Hover, you could always count on the front seven to be just <laughs> ruthless. And it's not ruthless. I mean, again, I'm not saying they're bad because they're not bad, but, like, you know, they're not what they were. And so, you know, you know, talent, yes. Uh, a lot of talent, no. Um, you know, they'll have to play uh, really well Saturday to, to hold Tennessee down offensively, in my opinion. Yeah, what's interesting is their strength defensively is their secondary. Uh, Tennessee's strength offensively is throwing the football. That's what they like to do. We don't really know how good Tennessee's run game is. I think it's still a little bit of a prove-me type deal. Florida has struggled to stop the run, which is uncharacteristic for them. So can Tennessee take advantage of that and run the football effectively? Because as we know, and Rob, we've talked about this at nauseum, Tennessee's different when they can run the football effectively. And if they can get downhill to start running the football against Florida, man, it opens up a world of possibilities for them offensively. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's when the tempo matters. That's when, you know, when you're, you, you're snapping your seventh play in two and a half minutes, and, and, you know, picked up three first downs. That's when it really starts to wear on you. I mean, subs, it's hard to get subs in for the defense. if not impossible. Um, you know, get a little confused. So, yeah, I mean, running the ball is a big deal. I mean, you can't really overstate it. I mean, I don't know if there's a number, but, I mean, Tennessee can't average, you know, 2.3 yards a carry or whatever it was at Pittsburgh, in my opinion. No, you can't. You can't. And, again, that's why the the, the health of the running back room, you know, moving forward through this week is going to be a big 
uh, a big indicator. But I just I, I think we're going to know kind of what Tennessee is running the football after this game because again, it's not been truly tested or given given an effort against Pittsburgh. So I, I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. Um, credit Tennessee fans, Austin. The sellout crowd for Akron. That place at kickoff looked awesome for Akron. Josh Heupel was thrilled. It said he's never experienced a ball like a ball walk like that before. He said it's college football at his best. On Monday, he said that there won't be a better atmosphere in college football than what's going to be here at Neyland Stadium on Saturday night for Tennessee and Florida. Um, I, I, it just kind of just goes back to what we've been saying. You know, this the stage is there. College game day. Checker Neyland. CBS three thirty. How does Tennessee kind of take advantage of this? And I'm not saying, obviously, win the football game, but is there any fear that the moment might be too big for some of those guys in the locker room? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I think this is where, you know, Josh Heupel and Alex Golish's ability to draw up plays, scheme things up to get guys open, much like they kind of did a year ago at times, um, early can, you know, you get the right play call early in this football game, get Florida, you know, caught napping, this place will come unglued. I think that – I said this Sunday night, I'm going to beat it. I, that horse is going to be nothing but bones by the end of the week. That first quarter is huge for Tennessee. They cannot turn it over. They can't give Florida short fields. They can't put their defense backed up on a short field, with, you know, having to keep Florida from driving 30 or 40 yards. They, they've got to take advantage of that opening stanza. If they do that – then I think there's a real chance Tennessee does big things Saturday. If they don't and they let Florida get a little bit of momentum, things can drastically change. Yep, and Tennessee needs Hendon Hooker to get going the way Hendon Hooker was going a year ago because, as you mentioned, the Georgia game, they've got, they have got they get one early. The, the Kentucky game, obviously, they got three and three snaps or whatever it was. Hendon Hooker's been a little too amped up to his own admission, I think a little bit too amped up to play to start games. Um, three of seven against Akron, and then he goes 11 for 11 to finish. Two of eight against Pittsburgh, four of eight against Ball State, only completing 39% to start games the first three games of the season. That's not a panic button, but in this game, with that crowd, as you're mentioning, Austin, I think it's imperative, Rob, that Tennessee – keeps that crowd engaged and keeps them going by doing something early. And to me, that puts the burden on Hendon Hooker to start a football game better than we've seen him start it from an accuracy standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you've got to make it work against Florida and for you. I mean, you can't, you know, as, as Eric was just asking about, you can't let the moment be too big. And I think, I mean, and I, I don't think it's a negative for Hooker. I mean, I think he's just jazzed up to start the game, and I think he's done a really good job of, you know, dialed himself back in, probably with some help from Joey Halsey about, you know, some details here and there. But, um, golly, Hubbard, what, what year was it where um, they hit Lamar- LaMarcus Coker on the uh, the little trick play early? It, was that 04? No, it was 06. 06. Bl- blew the lid, blew the lid off the off the place. I mean, if they can get something like that going early, I mean, I, I, I think it, I think Neyland's going to be off the chain anyway, but if, if they can go up, you know, 10 nothing, 14 nothing, 17 7, I mean, I think that place will be just a madhouse. And Brent, that's something Casey Clawson mentioned on the Rocky Top Rewind Sunday night saying, hey, we want to throw the first punch. Go out there and 
and throw a double pass, flip, whatever, trick play. I mean, what do you have to lose? You've, you've lost 16 to 17. I don't know if they'll do anything like that, but I, I would be fine if Tennessee's offense went and took a shot early and tried to you know blow the lid off that place like Rob mentioned. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, and, and here's the thing, too. If you, if you don't have a Tillman or if Tillman's not 100%, what have you found this week that you can go attack that go attack Florida with? You know, I mean, you go back and look at that Kentucky game. I mean, Tennessee ended up hanging on to win Austin, but but that was a game. All those Kentucky people were jazzed up, ready to go. They they were they were ready. They I mean they were as as electric as you'll see that place. Okay, and it's not the most electric place in the world, but they were ready to they were ready to take Tennessee down, and Tennessee silenced it. You want to do the opposite in this game. Jump on Florida early and put the pressure on Anthony Richardson and that that team to answer by making a big play early. I think I think it's important that Tennessee gets out of the gate. I don't think they're going to run it twelve plays for eighty yards. I think if they score quick out of the gate, it's going to be on a big play somehow, somewhere. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think the trick plays and all that stuff are really neat, uh, and I don't disagree that you know in in the right time and place that, that you pull stuff out like that, but. You know, I think if, if it don't work, then everybody's going to go, well, I mean, why are we just not running our regular offense? Why are we trying to get out of what we're doing? Like, that's what you do when you're desperate running trick plays. <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm, so, like, I'm not like, saying they know. have to do a trick play. I'm just saying be aggressive. Which yeah, I, and I think, yeah. I, I think Hopple's wired that way. Right, but I'm with Rob. I mean, for, yeah. for, and, and no offense to Casey, Casey never run a trick play to open a game, right? Like, his first start against Alabama, they threw a deep ball, okay? And, and they did go attacking through the first punch in his first start there. To your point, Austin, is don't don't pull a ball state, right? Don't do something goofy out of the gate that, that causes a problem. You be you because what you are is you're a big play offense by nature, okay? Look at how many big plays you had last week. I mean, if you describe Josh Heupel's offense, what is it? It's a quick strike, big play offense. Go be aggressive and be you. Don't come out with this mentality of, we have to establish ourselves on the ground, which nobody expects him to do because that's not his nature. No, I mean, I, I'm big on just, you know, you go out there and you swing a haymaker and you just keep swinging that haymaker. You know, I mean, like, just as you said, just be aggressive. But I'm not saying, like, like let's say Tennessee goes and scores, then they get a turnover. I'm not saying that you don't try to, you know, go for the jugular on the next play because I think that's exactly what Hypo would try to do, especially if you had a short field, you know, try to, Still, the you know you already got the momentum, but really just like you know capsize that thing like a tsunami. Or, um, and AP, if you're fourth and one on the goal line, and you got a hundred thousand people ready to lose their minds, don't kick the field goal. <laughs> Agreed. Don't kick the field goal. Play aggressive. So what you're saying, AP, is go out there and, and throw some Jimmy Hall. Excuse me, Jimmy Callaways. You got it. Exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, Sunday afternoon, the week four AP college football poll was released. The top seven unchanged Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC. Kentucky moves up one spot to eight. Oklahoma State drops a spot to nine. Arkansas stays steady at number 10. And then looky there, Tennessee is at number 11. I mean, that's fine. I guess my biggest takeaway is like, I mean, I, these rankings don't mean anything until you get into conference play. I mean, Florida jumped all the way from unranked to 12th after the Utah win. Uh, speaking of Florida, they slipped back to to number twenty uh, this week, so it's going to be an eleven twenty showdown. But 
uh, you know, uh, Brent, any, anything big to Tennessee being ranked number 11th? I mean, nice, nice little accomplishment, but it truly doesn't matter right now, does it? It means, it means game days coming to town. I mean, it, it means you got the eyes of the college football world on you because you're one of the marquee matchups in a rivalry game where both teams are ranked. And so um, that, that's what it yields you, is it yields you um, a national platform to show your atmosphere off to. I'm with you. I mean, rankings are whatever rankings are right now. Who knows? I mean, is Arkansas the 10th best team in the country? I mean, they struggled with Missouri State last week. What does that mean? Uh, we've talked about it. I mean, you need more sample size to know exactly what you have and who you are. Uh, there's a lot of hot takeover reactions and rankings, but what it does for Tennessee is it puts you in a national spotlight of relevancy, which is what Tennessee fans have been craving for two decades now. This might be a bigger conversation, Rob, but – you know, on that note, look at the rankings. I mean, the, is is the East catching up with the West right now? I mean, George is obviously out in front. Kentucky's at eight. Say what you want if that's overreaction. Tennessee's at eleven. You've got Florida at twenty. Um, is the East catching the West? Well, I think for sure. Yeah, they are. I mean, Alabama to me, they're still Alabama. I know they had the hiccup at Texas, but the reason it's catching up is, I mean, I don't think Texas A and M is not making the leap that a lot of people anticipated. You know. The number of years Jimbo's been there yet now, and LSU is is not the LSU that you know they were four or five years ago. I mean, that was those, those two programs have all the resources in the world to you know compete with anybody, and, and they're down right now. And you've got you know Tennessee, Kentucky on the come up, and you know I, I don't think Arkansas is on that level. Isn't, what's, isn't Arkansas like a ten point dog at, against A and M this week? Was, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. Uh, I there it's dog, nine yeah. or ten. It's, I think, a pretty stark comment about what you know what Vegas thinks about Arkansas. My two biggest takeaways around the SEC this weekend: Austin Price, <laughs> Georgia. Georgia's good. Shane Beamer, bad look, and Auburn, a decent first half. I watched that. I watched every snap of that first half. They moved the football. They just couldn't punch it in. But the wheels fell off in the second half. Auburn is a bad football team. Well, when you're bad at quarterback, and we've seen that around here, uh, when you're bad there at quarterback, it's hard uh, to be good overall unless you have a great offensive line, a great tailback, and a great defense. And so, um, you know, I'm not surprised Auburn is what they are. I mean, they've got a really good tailback, but, you know, their offensive line is okay, not great. Um, and they have terrible quarterback play. And, you know, Shane Beamer has got to quit allowing others to affect – him because he gets so affected by the outside noise then he gets himself in these terrible positions and and and, and that we've seen that happen to several coaches throughout time well the, the the reality is south carolina was a summer hot take that you know everybody was banking on spencer rattler being great and, and he has not just put an, he's not put a resume out there to suggest that that was going to be the case gunslinger aggressive guy rob going to take some chances with the football, going to get himself in trouble, just hasn't done enough to yield the creation of hype. And, and part of that was South Carolina creating it for themselves. Uh, but but he's not he's not the savior that I think everybody thought he was going to be over there. Not saying he's a bad player, doesn't have all the parts to go around with him. And, and the guy basically lost his job at Oklahoma. So it's not like he was the anointed one that one some people wanted to to be made out to be. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I just I never really saw the South Carolina love unless you thought Spencer Rattler was a legit Heisman Trophy contender, and 
you know, I, I think we can all agree he is not that. Now, LSU's interesting to me, too. What did they find in the fourth quarter? Was that just an utter meltdown by Mississippi State? Or did LSU figure something out offensively in the fourth quarter to kind of get them moving in the right direction? Because that, that's because that's Tennessee, you know, that's a future opponent for Tennessee. I, I think it's a little bit interesting to, to keep an eye on them as to what they found, because I don't think they're void of talent in any way. Did they find them their footing a little bit offensively to get moving in the right direction? I, I think that's an interesting thing. Another team that's mediocre at quarterback. You know, got got plenty of talent around him, but you know he, he's not the best decision maker. And at Mississippi State, yeah, they're going to have highs under under him and lows, just like any place he's been. Yeah, I would agree with that. But but just curious is to see kind of what LSU does. Does that jump start them a little bit at all? I think when you talk about the West, Eric, you were asking the question about the West. I think the biggest reason why it looks like the East is catching the West a little bit is quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I, I know I know Will Levis is getting a lot of hype, probably more hype than he deserves, but I, I can promise you there's some teams in the Western Division would take Will Levis, you know, as their quarterback over there. There's a lot of teams would take Hendon Hooker as their quarterback over there. Texas A&M is starving for a quarterback to try to figure out what they're going to do there. K.J. Jefferson, solid player at Arkansas, erratic as a passer a little bit. Um, but and he's one of the better quarterbacks in the Western Division besides Bryce Young, right? So I, I think when you look at what's the difference in the East and the West this year, better quarterback play in the East when you talk about Hooker, you talk about Stetson Bennett, and you talk about Will Levis. Th- those are three – you know, those are three. I mean, Vanderbilt's getting better quarterback play right now than Texas A&M is. You know, I mean, you're getting yeah. better quarterback play in the East than you are in the West. Do we know what Ole Miss is? Last thing on our look around the SEC. Do we know what Ole Miss is? They ain't played anybody. They they absolutely dominated Georgia Tech. We know Georgia Tech's bad, and that's yeah. not going to end very well down there for Coach Collins. But, no, to answer your question, I don't know what Ole Miss is. Yeah. Are, are they finding themselves a little bit maybe? I don't know. They struggled early at the quarterback position. Maybe they're getting a little better there. But, but Rob, that there's been no test to this point for Ole Miss to have any idea what they are. Yeah, I think the jury still very, very much out on them, for for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they, especially out of conference, have not been challenged at all. Yeah, where the jury's not out on is is on Georgia. There's no <laughs> yeah. jury out on Georgia at this point. That's a really good football team. I mean, for everybody who thought all that they lost that they would take some sort of small step back or step back they're not they're still very good on defense playing a lot of young football players on the defensive side of the ball and a quarterback who should be getting his just due because he's a good football player yep no doubt about it uh Tennessee and Florida this week it's a big one it is a big one we'll have plenty plenty of preview coverage uh throughout the week Rocky Top Roundtable coming up the matchup piece 10 things I think I think uh first glance everything and more is available at the front front uh, page of the website and of course on the general's quarters one dollar for one year if you haven't yet take advantage it's florida week what are you waiting on join VolQuest on the on three family one dollar for one year and of course always follow our work on youtube as well by searching VolQuest for rob lewis austin price and brent hubs i am eric kane happy tuesday everybody and enjoy florida week we'll be back again thursday You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.